in these volatile times, markets can turn on a dime. Today, bond yields are falling, equities are rising, just about. So what is it? Less jobs in the latest ADP report, a fall in oil prices, no nasty surprises in the uh, services ISM number, or is it the overthrow of Kevin McCarthy? Come mid-November, could the US government face another shutdown without a moderate to negotiate a deal? All of those, it could be argued, reduce the chance of a rate hike by the Fed before the end of the year. So is that what's driving yields down today for a change? It's Thursday, the 5th of October, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a big dip in oil prices today, 5.1% off WTI, below $85 a barrel. A similar drop for Brent, which is close to $86. The US dollar has dipped down. It's losing 0.3% this morning on the DXY. The euro is up half a percent, 0.4% for the Aussie dollar, which is up to 63.3 US cents. The pound has gained 0.6%. And that might tell you a bit about the direction of bond yields, because yes, yields are down a bit today, down eight basis points for 10-year treasuries, down 10 in Canada, down five in Germany. Just two basis points lower for 10-year gilts in the UK, though. But Aussie 10-year yields, well, they were up 11 basis points yesterday, up to 4.67%, but back down to 4.58% on futures overnight. So naturally, given all of that, well, stocks back on the rise. The Nasdaq is up 1.3% at close. The S&P is up 0.8%. The Dow just skipping into the green at the last moment and uh, managing a 0.4% gain at close. We've got a mixed picture in Europe, though. Uh, the FTSE 100 closed down 0.8%. The DAX and the Eurostox 50 both up, but just 0.1%. So it is bonds back again, driving the agenda. Today, the question is, what stopped the sell-off? What's caused this pause? Uh, let's talk through it with NAB's Taylor Nugent in Melbourne. So is it the ADP job numbers? Because I know that we tend to, you know, uh, discredit these numbers unless uh, it, it tells us something that we want to see. And I think that might be one of those occasions because only 89,000 jobs added in September, which is well below the uh, the monthly growth in population in the United States. So you could say actually a disproportionate job loss or proportionate job loss. Um, so is that why we're seeing uh, bonds moving the way they are today? Because, I mean, this could be less of a reason for the Fed to lift rates. Yeah, good Good morning, Phil. I I don't think I would I would put it all down to the, the ADP numbers. As, as you say, it does tend to be a fairly unreliable indicator of what payrolls will eventually print on on Friday. But, you know, when we look at the the directional signal from ADP, compare that to the, the other signal that we got from that stronger than um, expected uh, August jolts read the prior day. Certainly directionally, it says that, you know, argues in favour that, you know, the, the labour market may be showing some softening. Um, but, you know, I think it would be, I wouldn't be expecting to see any analysts going out and, and taking a red pen to their, their Friday payrolls forecast on the back of this number. And we really do need to wait for payrolls for that kind of clearer signal of what uh, pa- payroll gains in September were like. Um, more broadly, I think you know just a bit of a, a bit of a reprieve over the last twenty four hours or so from that that sell off that we've seen in in rates. Interestingly, through Asia yesterday, we did see yields continuing to to move higher. We briefly touched over five percent on the U.S. thirty year yield. The 
Um, Ten-year German bonds briefly touched over over three percent for the first time in, in twelve years, but there has been a bit of a a bit of a turnaround um, more recently and through the US session as well. Well, because the ADP numbers hadn't come out, <laughs> maybe so. Maybe people are paying attention to it because look, larger companies. I, I mean, I know what you're saying about you know it's it, it we can't take it at its word, but uh, larger companies actually lost eighty three thousand jobs. They wiped out the gains they made in August. So overall, the jobs growth is the slowest rate since. Uh, January 2021 on this particular set of numbers and a steady decline in wages as well. So they're uh, now at 5.9% year on year. So all of that, you know, I mean, okay, it's not everything. It's just one reason perhaps, but it's, it's, it's as you say, it adds to the picture, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think, you know, this, this data does, does is in line with that kind of expectation for some slowing in, in what is a, a still tight labor market. Um, and I think, you know, certainly that, that, um, that reaction to or how some people interpreted that strength of that that openings number in, in jolts may have kind of overplayed the signal from from that data as well that opening series does tend to be does tend to be fairly choppy in that indicator you look at things like the hiring rates the layoffs rate all of those were fairly stable at, at reasonably healthy levels um, and so you know again it's just just suggesting that you know that that modest Cooling in the in the labour market is is likely continuing, and you know we have to wait until Friday to see that. But the ADP data, you know, fitting right. with that picture. Yeah, excellent. Okay, all right. So the ISM services number. Let's look at that as well from the US. That didn't contain any nasty surprises, did it? So mixed numbers there. Business activity is higher. New orders are down. The employment index is down a little. The prices paid index hasn't moved. Uh, so. No big outliers in any of these numbers. So I'm not sure. It doesn't add ammunition to the Fed hawks, I guess we could say, but it's not painting a picture in the other direction either, really. That's probably fair enough. Yeah, no surprises really out of the ISM services at all coming in at 53.6. Expectations were for 53.5. As you say, that kind of current business activity um, um, showing a a fair bit of strength there at reasonably elevated levels at at 58.8. And again, just kind of, Pointing to both that um, relative strength of services relative to manufacturing in the US at the moment, even though there has been a, a little bit of a, a recent recovery in, in manufacturing in the, the ISM survey there, um, but also uh, relative strength in that um, ISM indicator relative to the S&P Global PMI as well. So there's a, a bit of a contrast there that is is something to watch, um, but certainly, you know, again, signaling resilience in, in that services picture. Um, one to watch there though is you know potentially some indicator on on the forward looking measures in that survey that 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 kind of current resilience may not be sustained with new orders slipping down to to 51.8 and down almost six percentage points in the month so this big fall in oil i won't push you on why because i know you're not a a commodities expert but look it's down a lot and that is despite the fact we've seen a big fall in inventories this morning so uh 2.2 million barrels last week uh way more than expected and that's on top of a drawdown of about the same amount the, the week before uh, so unless we look at that and say, well, that is a sign of a slowdown, perhaps, whatever the effect, uh, lower oil prices obviously takes away the inflationary pressures. So that could, again, add to the uh, story on yields. Yeah, I think a bit of a reprieve from from oil prices, really, over the last little while. We've been talking a lot about how um, oil prices were being kind of actively unhelpful for the, the near-term headline inflation picture, certainly, and that would be a, a challenge for, for central banks. Um, 
Brent oil now um, around ten dollars below its uh, its peak in in late September, and and you know that does only take us back take it back to early September levels. So a lot of that kind of run up we've seen in in June is still there, but certainly a, a fairly significant fall that will be kind of welcome news as as people are kind of looking at that that near term inflation implication. And you know no no obvious catalyst again there, but I think it does kind of just. All, all reflect those kind of themes that we're talking about with the, the kind of sell-off in rates that we've seen with longer end rates moving higher, the kind of the squeeze that that puts on on the activity outlook and, and that kind of being reflected back in in um, in oil demand and, and the outlook for growth as well is seeing a, a little bit of a pullback in oil prices too. And is there a bit of caution as well now because uh, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican House Speaker, was ousted uh, just about the time actually we were issuing the podcast yesterday morning. So, I mean, he is the guy who negotiated the deal that saw off the closure of the US government. Now he's been ousted. The question is, uh, who's going to choose be chosen in his place? So we'll probably find out next week. But is it somebody who's going to be able to reach a deal uh, when we hit the same problem in November? I mean, uh, probably not, because they're not going to be quite as conciliatory, you'd assume, which is why he's gone. So that would make the Fed more cautious about lifting rates in the near term, wouldn't it? Which would, again, explain why perhaps we're seeing uh, yields moving the direction they are today. Yeah, I think, you know, what it, what it does say is that kind of that US political risk will kind of continue to be to be important for, for risk sentiment and be an extra challenge to to deal with, as you say, kind of that extension that um, that was reached um, by by McCarthy only takes only funds the government up to November seventeen. So we're going to have to do this kind of U.S. shutdown fears again come come November, and and you know the key players at the moment aren't aren't in place on on how they'll approach that. So you know the the Fed meets on the the first of November, so they do have a, a bit of a window before that kind of heats up, but it will be certainly be on their mind. And if there's no kind of compelling case. In, in the data to to deliver on that extra hike in November, then I think it is fair to say that it would be would be one factor on on their mind and certainly adding to that that uncertainty. Well, the hope of uh, no hike in November obviously is uh, is what's helping drive equities a little bit higher today. Although uh, it's come off some of the gains it made uh, earlier in the session. Uh, actually, third quarter earnings for U.S. listed companies starts next week as well. Bloomberg is predicting that that will show. Profits have fallen, but only slightly and much better than the drops that we saw in the previous quarter. So that might uh, drive more interest in equities. Uh, although, you know, maybe not. If we if we see earnings from real yields uh, rising for bonds, then, you know, why take the risk in equities? But we'll see. We'll see what happens with that next week. Uh, but look, uh, briefly, the RBN said yesterday, uh, no surprise. Anything to add there? Or would that, this could be the shortest section ever. What have you got to say about it? <laughs> Uh, look, yeah, no, no surprise. Um, okay, certainly, I think do. you know some some people may have been looking for a bit of a more explicit acknowledgement that the kind of the, the run up in oil prices that we've seen would be would you know be would push their inflation expectations higher, and they may have kind of acknowledged that we didn't really get that. They kind of noted some risks around it, um, but in general, kind of frame this more as the level of rates are. Constraining economic activity and reducing inflationary pressures as required. So, you know, I think it's clear that, you know, we can read that as 
elevated rates for a while as they continue to do their work rather than necessarily a particularly explicit hiking bias in in the near term. And so certainly our colleagues at, at BNZ do expect there won't be an, another rate hike this year from, from the RBNZ. There was also a bit of a, um, a nod that uh, there may be an expectation from the RBNZ that rates need to stay at a more restrictive level for a more sustained period of time, um, in their words, as well. And so, you know, they that higher for longer is, is the theme there, but not necessarily an explicit um, tightening bias in the near term out of the RBNZ yesterday. Right. They have made it to the top of Table Mountain, but they've only just started walking across it. It's basically what we're saying, isn't it? Apply that to almost every other uh, developed nation. So today, Australian trade data, uh, we saw a fall in exports last time. We saw a rise in the imports. I'm not sure what is a good result here? Maybe you can tell me. It's the same for Germany. They had the same thing, falling exports and rising imports in July. Uh, and, of course, we get the balance of trade numbers for the US and Canada as well. How important are these numbers right now? Uh, I think, you know, they're, they're one piece of the puzzle, but I certainly don't think they're kind of top-tier data releases in terms of um, what central banks are watching for um, for what policy needs to do for that for, for that disinflation task. On the, on the Australian data... Um, we've seen the surplus uh, narrow quite a bit alongside that pullback in um, export prices recently. It narrowed down to, to $8 billion. Uh, last month, expectations there are for a small widening of the surplus to, to $8.7 billion, but still well below the kind of levels that we were seeing um, late last year. Um, but yeah, in terms of near-term implications for policy, you can't expect too much out of out of trade data today. And uh, more jobs data tonight as well, because we get those weekly initial jobless claims. But of course, you know, it's all just feeding into waiting for uh, for the non-farm payrolls on Friday. Lots of Fed speakers as well uh, out tonight. Daily, Bar, Barkin, Mester. They're all out tonight. It's not even a full moon, and they're all out tonight. Uh, will we get much from them? We we might. So, yeah, Barkin and Daly are probably the, the best candidates. They're the forums that they're speaking at are probably the most likely to get some sort of common. And I think, you know, given what we've seen with, with the long end of the yield curve at the moment, I think any nod towards, you know, in, endorsing that kind of pricing, how they're, how they're interpreting that and in, in the pass through to activity and whether that means they'll, they'll approach policy a little bit differently with, with more elevated um, longer end rates. Um, anything like that, I think markets will, will be sensitive to. So there's, there's potential for something of interest from those speakers. Uh, and 24 hours time. What, what do you reckon? What, what are we going to be talking about this time tomorrow morning? Bond yields back back on the rise again? <laughs> um, you know, we give... give <laughs> the impossible question. You know, the, the last few days, it has been heading in that direction, but, you know, very difficult to see. And I think, you know, regardless of what happens in the next 24 hours, payrolls is going to determine whether that's, um, that is the way we start the new week anyway. It's however we interpret the anticipation Thanks, for Phil. payrolls. Absolutely. Uh, we'll wait for the proper morning number. But anyway, Thursday morning. Again very Don't worry. Time. There will be another one again tomorrow morning, same time. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll be here for that. Hopefully you will too. I'll see you then.